the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The whole book of Corinthians is basically to address a church that is in turmoil. They're divisive. There are things that are going on that says, you know, if you're really spiritual, you would be a part of this group. Following Paul. Following Peter. Following Apollos. And of course, if you're super spiritual, you'll follow Jesus. And so as we go through, they are doing things that we would say, what are they doing? Why do they do this? And yet, in some ways, we do the same thing. Disorderliness, selfishness, and division. Last week, uh, my wife and I were privileged to have Christmas in July. Our, uh, my oldest daughter and family gave us concert tickets in, at Christmas to go see uh, the Soul to Soul tour by Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. And some of you may have seen my posting on Facebook. But one of the songs that was like a big hit a year, maybe two years now, there's a song that Tim McGraw wrote and sings, and it said, Always be humble and kind. Are you? Am I? That's the exhortation. And I admit, readily, so a little bit shamefully, I am not always humble and kind. I can be very strong and bombastic and just cut you off. I talk to John and I, you know, as, as, as I work with him, and I said, you know, I'm blunt. He says, I know. But hopefully, even though I'm blunt, that it comes over that I love him, that I want the best for him. I just don't do it in order just to, so that he's on the straight and narrow, but because I love him. It's not the results, it's also the process. And that's what this text speaks to, the process. So, in chapters 12 through 14, it really talks about public worship, about us as a body and how we come together. And in this worship time, from 12 to, through 14, it's really a chaotic time. Things are going all over the place. Things are happening, and Paul has to write a corrective. And what was taking place, as you look through it, and you go through it, is that there was a special focus on the flashy gifts, meaning tongues. And Caleb did very well last week. There are non-flashy gifts that are just as important, if not more so. So, we tend to major on the minors. And we tend to minor on the majors. And so this is what divides us, rather than looking at what unites us. 
We tend to exclude rather than include. We are more about ourselves than we are about others. And so as we look at chapter 12 and beginning of verse 27, therefore understand, understand there is a structure for the church. There is an order. And so here we look again. Now you are the body of Christ. And members individually. We are the bodies of Christ made up of individuals. We are the body of Christ made up of individuals who have been raised differently, have different backgrounds, have different experiences. We are the body of Christ. And members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, first, second, third. There is a hierarchy in a sense. And why are apostles and prophets and teachers first, second, and third? Because we say we're all equal. Yes, we are. But some things are really needed in order for the church to move forward. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be correct teaching. There needs to be and so this, it's like, picture yourself. What makes a man? What brings life? If I cut up your arm, does that mean you're not a man? No. You may have some disabilities. If I cut off a foot, does that make you not a man? No. You'll limp for the rest of your life, but you can function. But if I cut off your head, can you continue to function? If you're Johnny Depp in whatever that movie was that I've never watched, but I saw the advertisement, I guess you can live on. But no, you need that head. Because from there, everything follows. And so it is even within the church. So, now you are the body of Christ. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, and he has given apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. All the gifts are important. But understand, like a house, there needs to be a foundation. Without that foundation, there is no full house. It'll fall. And so at the end, in verse 31, it says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. A spiritual gift is this, and 
This list here in 1 Corinthians 13 is not the end. There is also, also reference in 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12 with different lists of gifts. All the gifts are needful. All the gifts are useful. What is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is this. You have been anointed with a special talent that goes beyond just being whatever that gift is. We are all called, really, if you look at all those gifts, we're all called to do those things. It's just that someone else has had more that God has given. When God was handing out the spiritual gift of mercy... I must have been hiding in a closet. I do not have the gift of mercy. My wife does. She displays it over and over again. And sometimes I just shake my head. I said, that's, that's just going too far. But she has that special gift. I think that's the reason why she went into nursing. Mercy. We're all to display it. But some of us have more of it. So a sp spiritual gift is having something that is greater than what usually is normal. Sometimes we have to set, step up and do. So if you have the gift of giving, and I've had to learn to give, but there are certain people that just give. They give out of the goodness of their heart. Out of a love for the Lord. We're all to give. So, but what are these gifts for? If we were to backtrack in ch chapter 12, verse 7, all the gifts are for the common good. We are to bring our gifts together. And that's the reason why I think it was appropriate that Matt read from Hebrews 10 that we might stir one another to love and to good works. We would stimulate one another to love and to good works. It's for the common good. So, are we using our gifts for the common good? In 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, verse, beginning with verse 29, it starts with this. Do all. Do all. Do all. Do all prophesy? No. The answer, the way it is written, gives a response that automatically says no. It, does, it is not written in a way that says yes. That's not the response. It's for the common good. You have at least one spiritual gift. At least one. And sometimes you don't even know what that one is. But I bet you this. Somebody knows what your gift is. 
sometimes they recognize it before you recognize it. Sometimes you don't see it in yourself. And if you're like me, there have been times that I don't see any good in my life. And so I don't see anything. But you have at least one spiritual gift. And some of you have more than one. But no one has all the spiritual gifts. No one. Like I said, I don't have the gift of mercy, but I'm supposed to show mercy. No one has all the spiritual gifts. And not everybody has the same spiritual gift. We are all different. That's the way it is written in here. We don't all have the same spiritual gifts. And remember this. It is for the common good. And remember this. It's for what? To glorify the Lord. Remember, I said in the past, it's not about you. Oh, I have this gift. And it's better than your gift. No, it isn't. I have this gift, but it's not as good as your gift. No, it isn't. We all come together because we are the body of Jesus Christ. It begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It should never be about me. I can be used of the Lord, but even as Ken would say that, use the words of Bob, but Bob's words aren't too good sometimes. It really needs to come from what the Lord said. And how does it glorify Him? So, is your gift being used for the common good. In chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And Matt, when we came to pray for the service, he looked at my shirt and says, It's a sounding brass. Really, it's a gong. All right? The gong show. Bong. And what it is at times for the worship is that there are certain things that happen that makes no sense at all. So understand this. Love is more important than your spiritual gift, than my spiritual gift. If you have not Love. Nothing else matters. And so verse 1 is written in such a way, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Meaning, this is what is used in pagan worship. The gong, the cymbals, are to wake up their God. And our God never sleeps. 
And because of all this noise, it's like a symphony that you, you go to and you don't recognize because none of the instruments are tuned. They're playing something, but it makes no sense. And this is what is taking place here. It makes no sense. And even though I could, the way it is written is, it's highly unlikely to happen. In Acts 2, it talks about tongues. It talks about, it's a known language. And even if I could speak in a, of angels, how do I know what angels even say? Because in Scripture, anytime the angel speaks, he's going to communicate to us in a language we know. And so, this is kind of over the top. So Paul's writing to a city that sounds like this. It's a diverse city. It's a bunch of stuff that's going on. And yet, in the end of chapter 12, I show you a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is love. And you know, we've, maybe you even had it in your wedding. The scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians 13 about love. But the context is, It's done in such a way that demonstrates Christ. And yet, I show you a more excellent way, and it's love. Love takes an object. So what do you love? Some people, you know, when I was young, I had a car, and I would, every week, wash it, and every month, I'd wax it. I would not take it down to the car wash. I would be in my driveway or, you know, and just wash it. And I enjoyed it. Today, I go to the car wash. But, what was I saying? I love my car. I wanted to take care of of my car. At least it would look good even if it was not working well. So what follows is you can do all the right things and be wrong. Because it really depends upon your motivation and what's in your heart. You know, you look at movies or whatever it is, and you see people climbing the corporate ladder, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get to whatever the highest point is. If it's to backstab somebody, they'll do it. If it's to go around somebody, they'll do it. The goal is not what's wrong. It's the way we do it. So you can be right 
and yet be wrong. So what follows is, it doesn't matter. Love suffers long and is kind, does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked. Every time I read this now, especially as I was preparing for this sermon, I look at some of these things as a, oops. I'm not that. And it is almost like a, a knife in the heart that says, Bob, you're screwed up. And God is just confronting you here, let you know how screwed up you are. But he still loves me. So, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It doesn't mean that you're just accepting of everything. It is the attitude by which I'm coming. Do I really give the benefit of the doubt? There have been times that we have given ourselves, my wife and I, not for our sake, Maybe I've told you this story. Bear with me if I have. I'm almost 72, so allow that. When I was a pastor, when we were pastoring in, in Dillon, Montana, Grace Baptist Church, an independent Baptist church. I want to let you know, independent Baptist churches are the gnarliest churches that there is. I mean, Baptists fight, but independent Baptists, that's another thing. So I'm in my backyard and at the parsonage, we live on 13 acres, and this couple is walking across the field from the church building. And this is what takes place. I says, can I help you? Well, the man over there who is our deacon taking care of the building says that I could help them. So I says, what do you need help with? We need housing. We need some place to stay. I says, well, did you know that there's a ministerial, because we're a little, little town, all the ministers get together, that we have where you can have a three-night stay at one of the hotels, and we will pay for it. And the man says, um, no, I don't want to do that. And I asked, why not? They ask for all these things, and I don't want to answer those things. And one of the questions is, are you in trouble with the law? Are you running from the law? So I asked him that question. So are you running from the law? And he says, yeah. And he goes on to tell me his situation. He introduces his wife. 
And they will say they're former meth addicts. No more. They're clean. And so, after they talked, because my wife has the gift of mercy, and at that point in time, I said, we need to do the right thing. Stay with us for a few days. We invite them into our house. So my youngest daughter calls up. And she is talking to my wife. And, my, and she says, I hear people in the background. Who are they? And my wife starts to tell them who they are. And I could hear my daughter screaming through the phone. And so... Jean passes me the phone. I don't want to talk to her anymore. He says, who do you have in, that, in your house? I says, a couple of people that are homeless. Mom said that they were ex-meth people. I said, yeah. She says, there are no ex-meth people. They will kill you. So I said this to her. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And I could hear her screaming, Dad! <laughs> and we really did reach out in love. Now after three days, we were going to let them stay a little longer. Then the gal confides in my wife, they're not married. So they had to leave our house, not because they're not married, not because they're a meth users. They had to leave because they lied. And we wanted them to be truthful. The end of the story is that they uh, do clean up their act. He goes back down to California, pays his dues and jail and whatever it is. That's the last we heard. But I asked my daughter this question. I said, how is what we're doing for this couple different from what you do down in L.A.? She's down in L.A. at this point. And she is basically the manager of my dad's apartment building. So she gets this apartment free rent. And every week, she had, she had befriended a homeless man. Every week, they would go to McDonald's. And she would buy him dinner. And every week, she would allow him to come and shower. What motivated her to do that? She really cared. She cared about that man. And I said, you know, we're not doing anything different. Oh, yeah, you are, Dad. These are meth people. Love suffers long and is kind. Note in this passage from verses 4 to 7 what love does and what, lo uh, and what love is not. Love takes an ob object. How do I know what I love? How do you spend your money? If you were to go onto our credit card because they give an itemized account, especially in the summers. 
he bought flies. He bought a fly line. He bought tippet. He bought another tackle box. He bought another waste, so he doesn't have to carry the tackle box everywhere. He's got the stuff here. What do I love? I love fly fishing. And we're going to go fly fishing in August. What do I love? In the line you will see, he bought a basketball. He bought court shoes. He bought shorts. He bought, what do I love? How you spend your money will show what you love. So do I love the Lord? I don't know if you saw it on Facebook. I'm thinking about getting off of it. Sometimes I just, I have friends on the far left and I have friends on the far right and I just want to cut them all off. And, uh, but posted, and it was this video. This video of this woman who is in her 90s. She and her husband have been married for 73 years. And when her husband's health was failing, he was placed in a nursing home. And she would go and visit. And she did not like it. At 93 years old, she brings her husband back home. She could not stand the care that he was being given. And every day, she would get up and make sure all the medications she needed were all set for him. He would help her, he would help him get out of her bed. Now she's 93! Get out of bed, she'd wash him. That's love. That's love. She didn't care about herself. First Corinthians 13.8. I'm going to read from the New American Standard on this one. Love never fails, but where there are gift of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. Now, notice, even in the King James, it's New King James, it's different. It vanishes. So it talks about uh, a knowledge. But it has this picture that those two gifts, prophecy and knowledge, will be done away with, and they'll be done away with from the outside. So when are they done away with? It's like having this alarm clock, and I don't want to wake up, and it's ringing, and I can't shut it off, and I throw it against the wall, and it stops. That's the picture. Tongues, it is... You have that wind-up clock, and you never wind it up again, and it just stops. 
in and of itself. The question is when? The question is when? And we will see a little later, it talks about when that which is perfect has come. Now, I take it to be when that which is perfect to come, based upon other passages, it's this. Some people will say it's Jesus Christ. Okay. How is Jesus Christ? Oh, and the uh, Episcopal Church is wanting to do with gender-neutral speakings of the Lord. So no male, no reference to male. It'll be just say God. Won't be he, it'll just say God. But, if it's Christ, Christ is always, always in Scripture, referred to in the masculine. Now, Greek has different endings. We would talk about language, you know, it's um, uh, male, female, and what's the third? Neutral, or neuter. So, if it refers to Christ, which is perfect, it should be male. It isn't. Some would say, well, it's the church. Well, how is the church referred to in Scripture? We are the bride. Always feminine. If it's feminine, okay. But it isn't. So my personal position, and you can have a different personal position, as I say, is Scripture. That's the reason why prophecy and knowledge are kind of done away with. The question is, is when the tongue cease. So, let me conclude with this. I show you a more excellent way is what Paul says. Are you, am I, are we using our gifts in a way that demonstrates Christ in love? I have said this in all the churches I've been in. I don't want a biblical-based church. And then I get this, what? I want to be a biblical church. There are a lot of biblically-based groups out there. And I don't know what they're preaching, but they're not preaching the gospel. So I want a biblical church. I want truth. But I can use truth as a hammer. If it is not for your benefit, if it is not for your well-being, if it is not for your growth, if it is not, all the truth I speak matters very little, if at all. Do I demonstrate Christ? And how does Christ be demonstrated? For God so loved. Greater love hath no man. Do I love you? I'm still here. 
Why? Could be out of duty. No, it isn't. Again, your gift is needed. Withholding your gift, withholding your talent, robs the body. Robs what is really to help make us whole. Can we can we get along without? Maybe. But we're not whole. Are you using your gift? Not out of duty, but because of love. So if it's not out of love, it's worthless. And as you prepare for communion, that's what this is all about. For the love of Christ. I go up. It's not just the rite. It's not just the ritual. It says, when I surrender all, it's because He loves me. And I want to love Him back. So as you prepare your hearts, do you love? And you can't say you love God and hate your brother. So if you know somebody, maybe it's in this room, that has something against you, or you have something against him or her, go and make it right. And that's hard. They said, I get up and I go to somebody, they're going to they're gonna know. Remember this. You do this for an audience of one. And that's for the Lord. I was out there uh, talking to one of the shelter people, speaking to the father. And his son comes over and says, she says I'm three. And, and the dad says, well, you know what you are. Yeah, but she says I'm three. So I ask, how old are you? I'm five. So are you five? Yes. And so dad says, just because she says so, doesn't make a right. You know who you are. And you do, and you behave in such a way to show who you are. That's what we're doing here. The Lord loves you. The Lord has gifted you. The Lord wants you to use those gifts. He wants you to use it for the benefit of others. And he wants to use it because you love him and you love the family of God, the body of Christ. Father, as we prepare now,